God, once that's up. That'd be cool. You're in charge, Kevin. <laughs> you got this, buddy. I'm in charge? Yeah. I'm in charge. No, okay, don't let it go to your head. <laughs> that was a really, really quick power trip. <laughs> oh. I don't know what that says about the rest of my life. <laughs> Welcome to Monsters and Multiclass, your weekly Dungeons and Dragons fix. I'm Kevin Odie. I'm Jared Vornigal. And I'm Will Miller. And we'll be hanging out with you for the next hour to talk about anything and everything D&D related. This week is the Fighter Rogue Multiclass and then the Leviathan from Mordekainen's Tome of Foes. So pull up a chair and listen up. All right. So this week, our two classes are the fighter and the rogue. Uh, the fighter is just the the soldier character. It's got uh, versatility in, in every single weapon uh, and is just pretty straightforward. It's a fighter. Uh, the rogue is the... Uh, the mastermind, the one who's looking for a, a sneak attack or a good opportunity to attack. As Kevin has described before, the opportunist. Uh, so that's our mashup. Kevin, first thoughts? Completely opposite of last week. I love this one. <laughs> <laughs> good start. Good yes, start. Yeah. Last week we struggled to make full full time of the podcast because we disliked it so much. This time I'm worried the same problem is going to happen because it's just, yeah, it works. Just do it. We have nothing to nitpick or try and figure out um you have two fully martial classes um that mesh together really well their abilities add to one another um i can't think of many traps like you know bad moves to make with this one um role playing wise there's no reason they couldn't work they're just both well trained okay individuals i think we'll be able to talk more about some good role play ideas i think that's where we're going to find some some interest uh will first thoughts yeah like uh like kevin said this is a very good combination <laughs> we're looking at a class uh that there there really are very few traps the only ones being say the arcane ones don't really make sense yeah but as far as mechanics are concerned i think this actually will differentiate itself a bit from like the bard sorcerer where it was just a giant pool of new spells. This is there's mechanical potential in a lot of different combinations here. Yeah, I think that's really fair. Um, so first thing, uh, the uh, ability score requirements: fighter is either dex or strength. Rogue mm-hmm. is just dex. Right. So really easy decision right there. Play dex based yeah, fighter. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah, so you're still... using dex thirteen. Right. Um, and the. You're really going to need to, well, I guess not really. The versatile uh, is all that's necessary for the sneak attack, correct? Well, let me rephrase finesse. that. Yeah. It needs to be finesse. Finesse yes. needs to use dexterity or can use dexterity? Can. Okay. So, yeah, the yeah, rogues. That came up way, way back in like episode one or two when we had the barbarian rogue. Yeah. <laughs> we are working out that it just needs to have the finesse property. You can still attack with strength and get sneak attack. Right. So, I guess if you want to, you could do a strength fighter with dex rogue, but... Yeah. It, it just feels like you're kind of fighting against it. Like, why would you? Not, uh, armor. not any I got, reason. I got armor is probably the only. Strength, what do you mean? Strength, strength minimums on armor. Right. Right. So if you want to do a heavy armored rogue, uh, which you could do with this, uh, you yeah. have to do strength and dex, which again, still isn't that hard no. to get. No, you can very easily start out with 16 and both. Yeah. But yeah. The rest in con. Yeah, you can do the, if you do point by 15, 15, 15 in the physical ones, 8, 8, 8 in the mental ones, and have a really fun character to play. (laughs) (laughs) It's generic, but it makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, That's getting actually a little (laughs) min-maxy. Whatever. (laughs) Well, one issue I have with that is I like the idea of rogues being smart, but it's not necessary for them to be smart. Yeah. Uh, Because the whole thing is that they're, they think things through, they're planners, they're waiting for that moment to strike, uh, and that always makes me think intelligent. They also have a lot of skills. Uh, they get uh, one of their first things is expertise, right. which lets them double their proficiency bonus. They're good at a lot of things, and that always makes me think intelligence. It's not necessary in any way, though. Flavor-wise, it's um, it, rogues are always going to be the clever martial type, mm-hmm. uh, but reflective of stats that doesn't actually really play in. So right. you know, it's really up to the player how they want to roll those stats. Of course, but I, you know. That's me. I'm always trying to leave the stats a little bit higher for just the sake of, of flavor. The, the proper, proper stats higher. Um, yeah, okay. So backstory-wise, uh, rogues normally were talking like they grew up on the streets or just in criminal organizations of some sort. Maybe not criminal, but 
Yeah, we'll say criminal organization. Extra legal. <laughs> <laughs> um, and fighters, um, I mean, they can be soldiers. That's like a, a really easy way to play it. I don't, yeah. I don't know if there's, is there any other outright descriptions for fighters? About what they are? Yeah. They're, they're just dedicated to the craft. Well-rounded um, specialist is literally the header. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. yeah, they're proficient in every single weapon um, in the game. Okay. Yeah, yeah, no questions asked. It's just, they're good with it. All right. So uh, this really seems more like we're going to take the the rogue, which does have a lot of flavor injected into it, uh, and just say, and also, they're really well trained in weapons and armor and, and any situation right. they need to be good at, they are good at. Exactly. Um, yeah. So I think, which also just fits with the natural rogue as well. The natural rogue. The Just a rogue. That was a weird way the to rogue phrase it. Is but natural pure, rogue. <laughs> pure rogue. Pure rogue. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, I think... Um, <laughs> This this works well for somebody who's like a spec ops is like the first thing that I think of. Like they were trained by the military to uh, do these really tactical missions, get in and get something done and get out. Right. That's perfect for a rogue Oh, fighter. for sure. Uh, yeah, honestly, looking at every single rogue subclass, the only one that doesn't really fit is the Arcane Trickster. Everything else, Mastermind, uh, Thief, less so. Yeah, Thief's the other one. It's a little weird. Assassin, definitely. Yeah mastermind scouts perfect I, every yeah. single one of these combinations pairs very well with everything um, in fight, yeah really. i don't, uh, I, don't I really like inquisitive with battle master <laughs> i do too. I, I like the flavor of that where they're the and then it also adds a reason to want to have some intelligence mm-hmm. in it um i would disagree on scout actually just to a small extent it's not that it doesn't mesh it's that it doesn't really mesh super well compared to the other ones uh because scout's all about being able to scout in the wilderness it's like the the ranger rogue almost um it's not yeah, particularly necessary to be fighter i don't see that like, well, that makes a lot of sense in a military unit i could see okay. every military unit would have a scout for instance okay so if you were classing out a battalion of soldiers you'd have rogue scouts You'd have fighter champions, and you'd have a lot of overlap there. Mm-hmm. That's fair. That's fair. Uh, swashbuckler, you're in the navy. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Yeah, yeah really. <laughs> Although we every time we don't like not the swashbuckler. Boat based, <laughs> not boat based, and I don't like the swashbuckler. Uh, whatever, man. <laughs> Why? Um, it's just, I don't know. we we keep on trying to bring it up every time the rogue comes up mm-hmm. and I like really fought for it when we first started recording these. Uh, but it's just not too amazing. The, uh, the fancy footwork, uh, you can make an attack and move away. You don't provoke opportunity attack from that creature. It's okay. It's not bad. Uh, but rec- rogues, yeah, I get that as a bonus action anyways. Yes. Like, uh, it's, it's almost like stepping on their own ability. Yep. But <laughs> for a fighter. Whereas a rogue is limited to one attack, if you were running through the battlefield and you wanted to hit everybody on the deck of the ship because you're a swashbuckler and they never leave the ship, that's pretty good. <laughs> no, it's not. You still have your bonus action as a rogue if you want to disengage. You, you can, can make your, your bonus attack. action for whatever else you want. Yeah, okay, so it frees up your bonus action. Is that really a reason to dip into this class? No, I don't think so. It, it could be, but uh, I don't see it. If you really want to go for the Navy background, sure, you have a uh, a reason for it that's not terrible. Um, Rakish Audacity, you get a bonus to your initiative rolls equal to your charisma modifier. Uh, that, right out the gate, meh. I mean, it's pretty good, but now you've got another stat to worry about right. that doesn't get you much else uh, until you get to level 9 in Rogue, and even then it's not too impressive. Uh, you also gain an additional way to use your sneak attack, this actually could be kind of useful uh, as a fighter. If you are alone with an enemy, no others within five feet of you or it, um, you get advantage on sneak attack. Or you get your uh, your sneak attack, sorry. Um, right. That's not bad. I could see a fighter being up in the fight. More so than a rogue. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. yeah. Isolated targets, that would make sense. So, yeah, okay, that's yeah. fine. Yeah. Um, what I think probably one of the best combinations would be and rogue whatever whatever you want and then the battle master fighter so mainly rogue with a three level dip into fighter is going to get you a lot of really good stuff right the only issue with that is a lot of those not all of them uh use your bonus action right so you know you might want to try and avoid those but you still choose when you use them yeah, so I'll get to those in a second, but just a three-level dip. So if you're a rogue yep. and then you do three levels in the fighter, you get um, a fighting style, you get second win, you get action surge, 
um, and then the first martial archetype. One, one thing to note with the action surge, it does not give you another opportunity for sneak attack. Correct. Sneak attack is once per turn. Action surge gives you another action on your same turn. Yeah, that's so, really yeah, important to yes, note. Yeah. Uh, but then so with Battlemaster, honestly, just for a post. Um, I mean, there, there's a lot of good ones. So the Battlemaster get superiority die. They get four D8. I'm pretty sure it's four mm-hmm. as third level. And then they can pick three maneuvers. Yep. Pretty sure. Uh, which do different things. They have different effects. One of them is repost. So if a creature misses you with a melee attack, you can use your reaction to expend one superior superiority die and make a melee weapon attack against the creature. If you hit, you add the superiority die to the attack's damage roll. Why that's so great for rogue is it's, the limit of sneak attack of once per turn it is no longer your turn so you have your turn you attack you get your sneak attack it is now someone else's turn they try and attack you and miss you then repose um and hit them and if you get the condition of the sneak attack that's then a second sneak attack around yeah so we've talked about that before any time that a rogue can not only get an extra attack but also get an attack outside of their turn order it's just going to be very very good right um and both of these uh you said just a three level dip i mean both of them work really well on a three level dip right uh we've talked about rogues before i mean they get expertise sneak attack thieves cons not as important uh cunning action which gives them a bunch of bonus action abilities uh they can disengage hide and dash um, dash yes thank you uh and then their roguish archetype which all of them have pretty good third level abilities yeah very after that um the subclass is actually kind of aren't the main selling point of the rogues a lot of times. I agree with you. Yeah. Uh, but um, uh, yeah. And, and battle master is third level as well. Both of these at third level. Fantastic. Right, yeah. You get six level character. That's three in battle master three in rogue. That's great. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Or like with the other maneuvers trip attack. So you can, yeah, you hit them and then you try and knock them prone. And then with the fighter have extra attack, your next attack. So you do on your first one, then your next attack is at advantage. And so you can give yourself sneak attack. Yeah. But I guess that's not until fifth, so you'd have to Correct. Yeah, I mean five, but... that's a big thing with a martial character that gets extra attack, is it's difficult sometimes to multi-class because you want to start it early because you know the low level dips are really great. But if you don't uh wait until level five with the fighter, you're really kind of missing out on a lot. I mean right. if you go three and then three, it's now six level. You have to wait till ninth level for your extra attack. Yeah, and also or, you, you missed your nine. ability scores and Yeah, exactly, exactly. Eight, so yeah. it's usually best to just get straight to fifth and then from there start thinking about branching out. Yeah. Um but fighters get an ability score increase at six as well, don't they? Is it's fourth, sixth, yeah, I think eighth, twelfth. Yeah, they get it like every every other level or something. Um, Yeah, I fuck this up all the time, but yeah, fighters and rogues both get their little bonus. Yes, yep. We just talked about this last episode. Um, Fighters get it fourth, sixth, not tenth, eighth, um, and then twelfth. Okay, Uh, whereas rogues just get like one additional one at tenth level. So either way, they they get a lot of ability score increases. You're not going to be uh, super concerned with that. Um, as long as you do it right, you should be able to get all five. I mean, a four-level dip in Rogue, especially, something like that, you get all five your ASIs. Uh, right. Yeah, yeah, Six, yeah, definitely. your ASIs. Yeah, you should be good there. Yeah. Um, you get a lot. I mean, you kind of forego them just because uh, you don't... Well, no, yeah, you should. You should be able to get all five, which is good. And, you know, leaves tons of room for feats. Uh, cause that's always a, we've talked about before fighters just going straight up with ability score increases. Sure. You're going to be really good at everything. Cause you're going to hit your max on, uh, you know, whatever your fighting thing is, it's dex or strength or constitution, whatever those ones right. really easy to get to 20. Uh, but it's usually better to take a feat of some sort, maybe not better, but it's more interesting to take a feat and you are a lot more freed up than it being something you're limited to every four levels. Right. Uh, here's, here's something, um, the champion doesn't get a lot of love because it's the simplest class in the game, but increasing your crit range as a rogue is, that's really good. Yeah. I didn't think about that. Ridiculously powerful. Yeah. Right. Since the sneak attack dice would double. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's extremely good. And mechanically speaking, as you're playing as a champion and a multi-attack style fighter, I could see you saying, no, I don't sneak attack on that and trying for the next one sometimes. Just because the chances of a crit happening, especially if you have a really high to hit, it's maybe worth the risk of 
not taking your first sneak attack just to double it later. Yeah, that's a really right. big risk. I get what you're saying, um, but, you know, trying to just hope that the second attack hits, it's a situation-by-situation situation basis. If the thing has a low AC, yeah, sure, go for it. If you've got a really high to hit at later levels, go for it. Um, but I, I probably would, I'm a little bit more conservative when it comes to that. I want the damage now. If it's a crit next, okay, sure, I missed out on some, but I'm not going to be upset over a crit. Think of all the dice you're missing. <laughs> <laughs> if I wanted that many dice whenever I wanted them, I'd play a paladin. <laughs> hey, not every attack. You eventually run out of spells, which is the beauty of this one. You there run aren't out. a lot of consumables. Here. Yeah. No. The rogue has essentially none, and the fighter, their consumables are just kind of... All come back on a short rest. They come back on a short rest, and they're right. ridiculously powerful. Yeah. I mean, right. action surge comes back on a short rest. Really, really good. Right. Uh, second wind, you just get some HP back really good right short rest yeah sure. uh, short yeah. rest yeah um <laughs> uh okay so one that uh also doesn't get much love uh but is made less bad by the rogue uh could be the arcane archer if you're gonna be doing that anyways mm-hmm. my only issue with the arcane archer is that uh they just don't get a lot of shots it doesn't ever scale um they can they get two magical effects um that are, I won't say similar to the Battlemaster's abilities, but just something that they can use as a resource. Um, I'm trying to see it. I think it's, yeah, you have two uses of this ability uh, that regain on a shorter long rest, and you just get some interesting options. The thing that sucks about Arcane Archer is that that never goes up. You always have two chances with this ability. Um, but, you know, if you're, <laughs> if you've got a, uh, rogue as well you're probably not going to be going up super high or you don't need to go super high up right in, in fighter so even just like the three level dip gets you those three uh three level dip into fighter is super great as it is mm-hmm. um and now you've got some interesting things that you can do with your uh with your arrows uh, which this would be a really good class to be ranged as we kind of already said though so you can really go both yeah. ways yeah really yeah um also then the cavalier the third level, one of the third levels ability, uh, unwavering mark. So when you hit a foe with a melee attack, you can mark the creature until the end of your next turn. There's no resource used up for that. Um, so well is within five feet of you. The marked creature has disadvantage in any attack roll other than you. And then in addition, if the creature marked by you deals damage to anyone other than you, you can make a special melee weapon attack against the marked creatures of bonus action on your next turn. You have advantage on the attack roll, and if it hits, the attack weapon deals extra damage to the target equal to half your fighter level. I think that meshes really well with Rogue with their bonus disengage. So you would need the right party composition. You would need other people in melee with you. So you're on a target. You hit them, you do unwavering mark, which doesn't take a bonus action or anything like that. Um, finish up your turn, and then you end it with a bonus action disengage to move back however far you want. Right. So then most likely, if there's somebody else there, that target is not going to follow you. They're right. going to attack who's ever, whoever else is there. Unless they want to take an opportunity attack or disengage. Right. There's a lot of, yeah, things stopping them. Right. So then you... <clears throat> it's a really good way to trigger that second ability on your next turn. So if... If since it attacks someone else, then on your next turn you get a bonus attack, so you get an extra attack, which is at advantage. So sneak attack, regardless of what's going on, and then uh, deals extra damage. Yeah, that's so it, it's kind of ignoring the first part of it, where if you are within five feet of it, it has a disadvantage on attack roll. Mm-hmm. Like you're kind of ignoring that aspect of it, right? But to kind of keep getting yourself a bonus attack with advantage, with advantage is yeah, yeah. definitely the thing there. Um, that works pretty well. It's an interesting class. The Cavalier, the flavor and everything really does point to this mounted combat. And, but that would have really ruined the subclass. So mechanically, they completely avoided anything that requires you to be on a horse, to be honest. Right. right. So it doesn't, flavor-wise, it's a little sketchy. Um, I can't see a lot of rogue background types becoming, you know, cavalry masters, <laughs> but mechanically archers. it is a f- horse archer. Yeah. Horse archer would be great, but all their <laughs> mechanics are melee. I know. Like, I, or when yeah. I think cavalry, I think like three musketeers, which I think could fit really well with yes. a type of rogue, especially like the swashbuckler. Yeah. Well, definitely. that's just for that. Mm. I know they're not on, I know they're not pirates, but just for <laughs> like the charismatic, 
Swordsman. Yeah, really, swashbucklers are pirates. They're obviously <laughs> pirates. This is the debate we're going to have every single time, and we're just going to keep flip-flopping. If Kevin says they're not pirates this time, next time they're pirates. What's the Google right. definition say? Well, I don't care. I disagree. <laughs> but yeah, it's... Uh, it really it is designed to be a mounted combatant, but it works pretty surprisingly well with a rogue. But yeah, that that's one that I think flavor wise doesn't fit great. Um, the other one is Purple Dragon Knight. You know, which yeah, you, from uh, Sword Coast Adventure Guide, right? You have to you would have to create this weird kind of class where you are like a knight, but now why did you go into roguishness? Honestly, it's it's that spec ops thing again. Like you are, really? you are the elite guard that the the king sends you on your <laughs> these special missions. That's all I got. I'm not saying it's great, but that's <laughs> the only thing I can think of for that. My special missions, of course. My special missions, yeah. <laughs> yeah. What do you mean? That's great. But yeah, that that one doesn't <laughs> that doesn't really work that well. No, I don't love it. It's an okay one, but. I don't really know the flavor behind that one much. You're a purple dragonite. Which yeah, like but it's like tied knight. to a specific kingdom. Yeah. And I don't know anything about that kingdom or if I should know anything about it. <laughs> we probably should know a lot more about the flavor of the realms we play in. But <laughs> we don't. No, we don't. I mean, we've talked about that a lot recently. Is it necessary? No. We're kind of playing our own partial homebrew of Forgotten Realms. We don't stick to everything exactly because it's exhausting. I haven't read a single Forgotten Realms book. Like actual book, book. There's only like 900, so yeah, <laughs> we should start catching up. Obviously, yeah, I guess so. Yeah, it's the thing. Every version of these universes and world, there, it's it's the multiverse. Mm-hmm. Our Sword Coast is our unique little version of the Sword Coast and Faerun and all that. Then someone else, someone else's tables is their own version. Like it's it's yeah, it's just it's not fun. important, <laughs> like, right? Yeah, not like saying it's a bad conversation. Just it doesn't matter if you know. Sure, you don't have the, you don't, if you wanted to use the Purple Dragon Knight and say that you're a part of your own homebrew kingdom, I don't think anyone should care that right. it says Cromwell or whatever. All right, guys. Samurai. Samurai. Fighting spirit. You can just give yourself advantage. Three uh, times. As a bonus action? Mm-hmm. Right? So on a bonus action is your turn. You can give yourself advantage on weapon attack rolls. When you do so, you also gain five temp HP, which is nice. Uh, increases at 10th and 15th level. Uh, you can use it three times, regain on a long rest. I mean, that's good. <laughs> yeah, that's really good. Just give yourself a... a I don't have advantage. sneak attack. Now you do. Yeah. That's a that's a really good combo. And even flavor-wise, it kind of keeps going. Elegant Cordia, you are good in social situations. Okay. I mean, that's fine. Um, if you want to mix it over with Swashbuckler, Swashbuckling Samurai... <laughs> Samurai use boats, I think. I don't know. <laughs> no, it does. Does Japan have boats? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. You got me there. Right. They're an island. They have boats, so it's fine. Um. Yeah. Okay. I mean, that could be interesting. Um. What's What's elegant courtier do? You just have uh, advantage on persuasion checks. No. When you make a no, persuasion no. check, you give your Gain a bonus equal to your wisdom modifier. Which is interesting. I really like oh. the flavor of that. That is really good. Um, that is a lot of skills to to pay attention to. Um, yeah. Gain profi- uh, oh, you, you also know? gain proficiency in wisdom saving throws. Okay. That's, that's nice. Yeah. That's... And if you already have that, then you get intelligence or charisma. Yeah. Okay. That's actually really nice. Yeah. Um. So an, an extra saving throw. Uh, tireless spirit starting at 10th level when you roll initiative and have no uses of fighting spirit remaining you regain one use Ooh, Ooh. okay <laughs> so that's really good now you're giving yourself advantage uh on in Once every fight. encounter yeah. yeah at least this is fight. this is uh, one of those things <clears throat> that doesn't get brought up much the samurai one because it is a little weird flavor wise yeah but especially combined with rogue i think this is a standout combination yeah, I this mean, and champion, uh, battlemaster probably comes second after these two, in my opinion. There's a lot yeah. you can do with battlemaster, but you're kind of at the whims of your dice there. This uh, is, oh, because they have to make saves and whatnot. This is free advantage. That's kind of uh, okay. Yeah, pass up. yeah, no, that's, that's, yeah, that's yeah. Free fair. advantage for a rogue is really great. Yeah, that's free sneak attack, higher chance of critting. Hey, I won't turn that down. Um, any. 
levels that you think would be good in particular to get to? Like, I feel like both these things have pretty good uh, things all the way up to, to 20, really. Yeah, you, I think right. the thing you picked to chase, um, the rogue is a, both the rogue and the fighter are indirectly linearly scaled uh, with the rogue with sneak attack and with the fighter with extra attacks. If you were looking for big sneak attacks, you only really have one option there. You know, you've got to go into your rogue levels. Right. So I I think an even split on this one is actually a decent idea, depending yeah. on what you're going for. Yeah, I think that's fair. And, and then just time the swap, you know, from who you're leveling based on the extra attack and ability score modifiers and sneak attack bumps and all that. You just got to get a little clever with it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if, if you wanted to do something like... A, well, this would be missing out on a lot of ability and score improvements, but 11th level fighters get a third attack. I don't know if that's particularly necessary to have, but it's always good to just have another attack. It's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah. Um, so getting up to 11 as a fighter, uh, 9 as a rogue, you're missing out on that additional ability score increase, but you do get your second subclass ability as the rogue. And that is the 5d6, 10 doesn't get you more Correct, snakes, correct. So. so, I mean, you can get 5d6 of sneak attack damage. Was well, that's uh, 9 to the second rogue archetype, so... Yep. You know, if there's a good thing there, that's a great place to stop. Right. With Swashbuckler, meh, I'm not really going to pay attention to it, but... Uh, for... Not a big fan of Panache. I'm not a big fan Panache. of Panache. Panache. <laughs> Assassin's probably the worst, like, ever, but... It... Great oh. flavor. Great flavor, but... Yeah, you can, like, spend a, a week to and 25 gold to make yourself somebody else. It's, I mean, again, we've talked about this before. There's probably situations where this is amazing to have, but... Yeah, I mean, I would love it if I needed it, but it, will I need it? It's, that's the always the uh, question you gotta ask. Right. Uh, I'd much rather, um, well, a lot of others, but really rogues in general, their, their ninth level one is pretty mediocre a lot of times. It's, it's their ribbon level. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's an oddly effective ribbon. Um, this one... Some of yeah. them are pretty damn good, but they really aren't going to change the battle. Right. Like the scout one, superior mobility. Um, your walking speed is increased by 10 feet. Like, so you're faster. That's cool. great. That's great. Yeah. 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 And then like the, yeah, the inquisitive, it gets a little weird. Um, you have advantage on any perception or investigation check. If you move no more than half your speed on the same turn. So basically, you get advantage on those things. Yeah. Which is good if you're fighting invisible yeah. or hiding stuff yeah. or out of, Combat. Yeah, then that's or the question of out of yeah. combat. You're never going more than half your speed when you're walking around. Uh, not right. if I do a chase encounter. Chase and, oh yeah, no. Uh, that's <laughs> that's when they come up. Chase encounters. You got to be very, very, very perceptive. <laughs> <laughs> Which the inquisitive rogue is. So I yeah I I really there's only a handful of combinations I don't like. I really do like almost all this. Yeah, it's like I said. There's. Just, yeah, there's not really many traps. It's kind of pick and choose your flavor. I would try and, yeah, line the levels up with the ability score improvements and extra attacks and sneak attack bumps and all that. But even, even if it's, you know, you're probably not going to be able to get it perfect, and that's fine. It just depends on what, what you're chasing, what you like. Yeah, and I'd say if there are any traps, uh, just go the thief uh, subclass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thief. I'm not the thief Eldritch Knight. I, I think um, Eldritch Knight could be... Okay. It's just difficult. It sucks not yeah. having spells. Being a third caster already hurts every right. time it yeah, comes it's up gonna, with multi -class. Yeah, you're, you're going to have so few spells. Exactly. It's going to be very, very limited. But what if you combine that with Arcane Trickster? I, I mean, I'm not saying it's good. I'm not going to sit here yeah. and tell you that that's going to be a good class. But it could be interesting. That that's I that would be mechanic, like, um, technically speaking, I don't even know how to approach that situation. It's, it's confusing. They, so it, they're both using intelligence. They're both so using intelligence. That's okay. Also, um, both of them just are good regardless of their subclasses. And if we already established rogues themselves, their subclasses are okay. Yeah. I mean, there's they're really not the uh the meat of the class. Right. Um fighters, Eldritch Knight gives you some good stuff, like being able to cast a cantrip, uh, and then make a melee weapon attack. Right. It, it might just be a weapon attack. Um I, I don't know. That with actually being rogue, that could be really nice. So you do like your booming blade cantrip. Um, and if, you know, if you're one level weapon 10 attack. or whatever, you get your, um, D8 to hit and then it's, um, plus the weapon attack. And then if it moves, it's 2D8 damage. And then you get your bonus attack, which could also then be a sneak attack. The, um, war magic is a bonus action. 
Uh, so you make your cantrip, then as a bonus action, you can make a melee attack. Yeah. Uh, which is fine. You just lose out on being able to disengage or do any of right. that rogue stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's still, yeah, it's that's good. Um, yeah. Pick, it, picking the spells would be a little tricky because they're both limited. They don't just have... It's off the wizard spell list, and then they're limited by type. I don't have it pulled up. Um, uh, it's evocation and... Um, Oh, what is abjuration it? i think I abjuration say? is right because they can cast shield so yeah abjuration. abjuration and evocation spells for the eldritch knight arcane trickster i know is illusion and, and enchantment yeah so that's kind of giving you access to a lot, a actually, lot of yeah them. between the two that might be yeah. good <laughs> that <laughs> might be that is a very weird combination that you'd have to think your way into very yeah. Hard. yeah yeah it's, no this might be a cop out. I think it is admittedly beyond the scope of us discussing here. <laughs> like we have to really dive into the spells and I have to write some crap down. And <laughs> I will just say that I, I would not write it off. I think no, that yeah. arcane trickster and the Eldritch Knight could potentially go all right together. As long as you're accepting, like I'm going to have barely any spells. It's just not going to happen. Yeah. But then you, you have know? all the good stuff. All right. So what's the that. flavor? I, I was bored in the army. So I learned magic. And then I was bored of the army entirely. So I became a rogue. <laughs> But I was bored of that, so I also learned magic. No, I just... (laughs) (laughs) No, you... The flavor-wise, the magic's the same. I mean, it comes from... They're... Essentially, they learn magic the same way a wizard would. Right. So they both learn magic the same way, through hard work and study, and they write it down and... Yeah. Et cetera. So it's... It's just not limiting the the schools as much. Right. That's all. I don't know. I don't don't see any issues flavor-wise. Yeah. Yeah. Soldier who... A special yeah. ops soldier yeah. who's well-rounded in everything. Yes. <laughs> I figure there's just like, in the army, there's a class to learn wizard spells. Yeah. And in your criminal organization, they're also, they're like, there's also a class to learn wizard it spells. It doesn't need to there's be just a criminal different. organization. Yeah. All right. Yeah. That's what I'm trying to get at. very narrow-minded. Your gray it. market boat. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, again, you can be in, in a criminal organization and just learn how to fight and learn how to survive that's like a big thing as well as learn how to be crafty and an opportunist and all of these things i mean it's just it's just a matter of how good of a school you went to <laughs> and this one's like hey you should also know some magic and you're like yeah that sounds good i'm just gonna learn everything because yeah. i never know what tool i'm gonna need for this oper- for this moment so yeah there. yeah actually yeah the eldritch knight arcane trickster multi-class sounds like they'd be like a renaissance man yeah like they're they're good of all weapons they're opportunists and they got good sneak. The certain skills they're just phenomenal in with expertise. They dabble in all these different types of magic. All right. Um, <laughs> You're like, I'm trying is, to think of reasons I don't like it. This is a personal <laughs> bias. But I already <laughs> hate so that character. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes, I know that spell. No, that's a good one. Mm, yes. Oh, yes, I can sneak out. Oh, door's locked. I can take care of that. Oh, yes. Mm. That sounds great. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that sounds yeah. great, but like everybody else at the table is like, all right, I wanted to do things. That... Yeah, no, but it, it's the jack of all trades, master of none. That's right. Yeah, so it's kind of like another way to get at sort of the, what the world of bard fills in a way. So then, at sixth level, they'd be a second level spellcaster, right? Well, and it's whatever they're they would be on the. Um, sorry, the if they table. Went, I'm sorry. At three and three, they would be one third each. So that would be a second level spellcaster. That's what that comes out to. Okay. Oh, yeah. If third level efficiency yes. table. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I mean, that's really mediocre, and that's fine. Yeah. I'm saying the the spell casting is going to be such an afterthought, where they're going to have um, at second level. It's it's just what the third three first levels. Uh, so until they're a third level spellcaster, I don't even think they get second level spells, which is going to take a while. I don't I don't want to sit here. Second and level do the spells math. come at seventh level. Rogues. for a rogue but i'm saying for a rogue arcane trickster yeah, so you have to use the, the rules in the multi-class area where it says for these third casters you take the level in it divided by three i'm assuming round down correct and then you add them together and then look at this table and that's where they fit yep so it would be so i, I think it's gonna work out the exact same where i'm just so saying, if you yeah, if you're level six if you're just like a level six, I have it pulled up. I could just answer this myself. <laughs> yeah, if I'm a level six arcane trickster, I will have three first level spells. Correct. So it kind of, it's the same. Yeah, it works out the same. Yeah, I'm just yeah, saying yeah, it's yeah. really low. Like yes. you're going to, it's going to take you forever 
to get to anything worthwhile, I guess. And if you well, like, that's that's the subclasses. It's no different. If you were just pure rogue and went arcane trickster, your advancement and your spells slots and spells known is identical, right? But then to actually get access to second level spells in general, you have to, as you Player. said, be seventh level. Yeah. So in one of those, and you're going to be third no, level in the other one, and you level seven, you get seven second yeah. level spells. So right, they right, combine. But you, don't, you don't have perfectly. access. You don't have access to the spell list until one of those classes is seventh level before that you only have I access to first level i think that's right yeah you have to be you have to you know three first level wizard spells of your choice when you get this two of which you must choose from enchantment illusion the spells known calm the arcane trickster spell casting table shows when you learn more spells each of these spells must be an enchantment or an illusion spell of your choice and must be of a level for which you have spell slots that's all it says. Um, if I remember correctly, it needs to be that specific class. That specific class needs to have access to second level it, spells. The second, the sentence right after that is, for instance, when you reach seventh level in this class. So it's, but, that actually might be a little, that's know. a little ambiguous, but I kind of lean towards Kevin's ruling where these classes basically scale identically. I'm almost completely positive on this and I'll look it up later. It's, it's not worth looking at right now because i'd have to find a um jeremy crawford ruling on it <laughs> jeremy quick <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah i think this actually came up in a, an earlier multi-class we were talking about where you just kind of limit your your spell the spells that you can choose from because you need to be a higher level in that specific class I think you're right here. So I pulled up the multi-classing thing. Spells known and prepared. This is for multi-classing. You determine what spells you know and can prepare for each class individually as if you were a single-classed member of that class. If you are a Ranger 4 or Wizard 3, for example, you know three first-level Ranger spells based on your levels in the Ranger class. As a third-level Wizard, you know three Wizard cantrips in your spell book contains ten Wizard spells, two of which can be second-level spells. Okay. Each spell you know and prepare is associated with one of your classes... And you use the spellcast ability of that class, yeah. Woohoo, I was right yep. about something for You're once. Right. <laughs> <Yes>. For once. <laughs> Man, wizards get a lot of spells. Yeah. Third level wizard, yeah, ten spells. Like, <laughs> we should play wizards, guys. Right now? Yeah. All right, well, let's... Get off those <laughs> dice. <laughs> let's end this podcast. We got D&D to play. Do you ever think of that? Like, sometimes, just like, hey, we get together, like, very frequently to record these podcasts. Yeah, just... We could just play D&D. <laughs> Nah. But it's only three of us. It's, it's only. Yeah. yeah. Oh, man, that would suck. We I'd could both it. play two characters. There you go. Ooh. Level 20s. <laughs> <laughs> um, this is a good multi-class. It is. <laughs> yeah, do whatever you want. Yeah. There's so many combos <laughs> Yeah, like I say, yeah, I wish... Um, maybe maybe I'm uh, putting something out there we're not ready to talk about yet, but we're working on getting a website going um, where we'll... This stuff will be posted and we'll have like a more detailed episode guide and where we're, we're intending to write kind of articles and things like that um i think the eldritch knight arcane trickster multi-class would be a good subject for one of those right because there's a lot of in-depth stuff it's going to be it's it's hard to for us to sit here in a podcast and make it entertaining without it being full of a bunch of silence and people <laughs> trying to keep all these spells and everything in their head but right so that might be something a good article idea for early on once that's up that'd be cool you're in charge kevin <laughs> you got this but i'm in charge yeah i'm in charge no okay don't let it go to your head <laughs> that was a really really quick power trip <laughs> um, i don't know what that says about the rest of my life <laughs> all right anything else about these two classes nope uh i think mechanically speaking this is one of the few classes that might just be objectively better than isolated you're saying that These two going in rogue fighter is probably better than just one or the other. Yes, I would agree. I, I think so. Yeah. I think this is the first one I can conclusively say this is probably mechanically better than anything you can get with one class. Yeah, yeah, and they're both really good too. So, so. they just they just have such great uh, first ten levels. Like you just get such good stuff. It just keeps yeah. happening. So yeah, do whatever you want with this. It's going to be great. Great recovery from Monk Cleric. What the hell that was? <laughs> it's a whirlwind of disappointment. Yeah. A flurry of blows of disappointment. There you go. There you go. <laughs> All right, let's move a on. A flurry of disappointing blows. Right, it's not getting better. We just slightly. No, yeah, yeah, that was, that was, that was, that was pretty good. Yeah. All right. Well. <laughs> 
right. Uh, before we move on to Monsters of the Week, uh, look us up on Twitter. Follow us if you feel so inclined to. We talk about D&D stuff on there. And you can ask us questions, give us suggestions, argue with us. We also do kind of teasers of what's coming up and interesting ideas and whatnot. Uh, leave us a review wherever you can. That's real big for, I guess, for podcasts being seen and all that. It's so like iTunes and Apple Podcasts, which are the same thing. And Stitcher all, all allows reviews. So <laughs> <laughs> Review us. Subscribe. Uh, follow us on Twitter. There we go. Done. Yeah, we yeah, just, yeah, we yeah. just need to pre-record that. It's more fun when we awkwardly stumble through. I honestly, it feels more organic. Yeah. And I think our listeners appreciate that. It felt more organic. Yeah. If you appreciate the awkward stumbling self-promotion, look us up on Twitter, follow us, and let us know. (laughs) (laughs) The moment. Isn't it better than screaming for them to like and subscribe? Yes. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) All right. We need to move on. Monster of the Week. We're like 50 minutes into this. Sweet. This week, we are returning to the Elder Elementals for our Monster of the Week. This one, the evil form of water, the Leviathan, a horrifying snake-like creature summoned, comes out of the ocean itself, made essentially of the ocean. Its biggest capability is definitely going to be the tidal wave. And like it says, it is Quite frankly, a tidal wave. At <laughs> 250 feet high and 250 feet long, if you were looking to destroy a lot of boats, this is probably your go-to. So what Swashbucklers you beware. Swashbucklers <laughs> beware. No matter how many levels in fighter you may have, the Leviathan doesn't care. Uh, this is cool. Um, this is the third time we've, we've talked about the Elder Elementals. Um, and this one's probably the most, to me, classic one. I feel like I've everyone's heard of a Leviathan, and it's just a a word used in a lot of lore uh, in the real world. Is it called lore when you're talking about our societies in the past, like Roman? Let's lore? go with yes. Okay, <laughs> but yeah, you're absolutely right. The uh, the prehistoric and historic man was never really at war with the earth itself. So the big dirt turtle was a little bit more creative than <laughs> yeah. perhaps they were. But we always were in kind of a love-hate relationship with the sea. And we always at, were at its whim. So this is a great kind of a primordial evil that you would face. Yeah, definitely. Oh, guys, it's actually neutral. Oh, oh yes, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> it's oh, just neutral. It's primordial fine. neutral. That you'll the face. Leviathan did nothing wrong. You I were actually... in his sea. No, that actually is the the flavor of all of the uh, elder elementals. Is they are neutral. They aren't yeah. particularly evil. Who summons them might be evil. It's right. usually cultists. It, it's cultists. Uh, <laughs> but uh, them themselves, they're just there. They're summoned from their plane of existence. Yeah. Probably the elemental plane of water. If I had to guess. Oh, really? Uh, <laughs> and, Puzzled that one out. And now they're like, ah, why am I here? Tidal wave. Tidal wave. Tidal wave. Yeah. Then like they'll. Their presence is just damaging, and so civilizations will naturally want to take care of them, and then when they get the attack, they defend themselves. Right. They, they're, all of their intelligences are two, I think. This one, the Leviathan is two. I'm pretty sure all, all of, them, of them are two. They're not yeah. the brightest. Yeah, they're all true neutral. Um, Yeah, so it kind of makes for an interesting, interesting thing. Just like the setup of it, or just the monsters in general? The monsters in general. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's their... Even though they... put destruction on the line that's not right that's not really good phrasing of it um e- even though they just do s- destroy civilizations everything. everything around them just by their mere existence and m- movements it's they're just they don't a, really mean to no they're just they a dumb just dog that are. wants to go home yeah they just are <laughs> no just, they're they're essentially natural disasters with mouths yeah you yeah know? if a tornado was an animal in our place we'd be like oh, it's not a bad animal it's just kind of a tornado right, right. that's actually a super good way to put it natural disasters just it is yeah the essentially natural disasters this is the tsunami the elder tempest is the terrible storm like tornadoes the yeah zeratan is Zer- an earthquake earthquake yeah, yeah. Uh, the For phoenix, sure. phoenix. Uh, <laughs> i know we haven't done that one yet but that one's made of fire yeah. less less threatening. we're not even allowed to mention it yet <laughs> <laughs> um but it's it's still a really really difficult thing to fight challenge rating 20 so yes. right out the gate you know it's going to be hard mm-hmm. uh but just it's it's overall stat block doesn't 
scare me too much. Like its slam attack uh, is its main one that it can do. One with its slam, one with its tail. The slam is uh, plus 16 to hit. So yeah, I guess that's kind of scary. Um, but it's one range. D- yeah, 20 yeah. foot range. 10 D10 plus 10. Plus no, 1d10. Sorry. Yes, thank you. Big difference. Very big. 1d10 <laughs> plus... Why? Because there's a lot of 10s and I get tongue-tied. I'm sorry. Tongue-tied I'm not a professional. <laughs> um, 1d10 plus 10 bludgeoning plus 1d10 acid damage. At level 20, that's not 2d10 plus 10. Yeah. Damage. It's like super it's, not a big deal. No. <laughs> a lot of your characters are going to be putting that out easily in their first attack. Right. Yeah. Uh, but then the tail attack... Uh, kind of same deal. Twenty foot reach, one d twelve plus ten, and then one d twelve acid damage. So, yeah, for a level challenge for a challenge rating twenty, it doesn't hit that hard with its main kind of base things. I think the flint hits harder regularly. Yeah, the challenge rating nine null leader. Yeah, that but we dealt with. It's only going to be using those uh, when it doesn't have a better use of its action. Yes. And what's that better use? The tidal wave. Uh, recharge of six so if you're familiar with recharge of six uh it uses the ability for free at the start or it can as an action yes it can use the ability as an action but then it is depleted uh it needs to at the start of its turn roll a d6 on a six it can use that action again that for the leviathan is the tidal wave uh while submerged the leviathan ooh. That shouldn't be hard to say. See, I'm not a professional. Uh, The Leviathan magically creates a wall of water centered on itself. The wall is 250 feet long, 250 feet high, and 50 feet thick. It is hitting everything. Uh, It does... Everybody makes a DC 24 strength saving throw. Uh, Creature takes 60, 10 bludgeoning on a fail, half as much on a success. And it just gets pushed. Uh, Does it? I yeah. remember, I don't think it says that, which no, really doesn't. surprised me. Um, or do, yeah, I guess it does just take the damage, but the um the wall itself does move out, so right. it really everybody is going to be it. It creates its own battlefield terrain. You have to make a check to swim out of the wave. It will go through you though. Okay, yeah. that makes sense. Um, so you're saying it'll take you with it, or it what? Doesn't sound like it. So, at the start of each of the Leviathan's turn, after the wall appears, the wall, along with any other creature... Oh, there it is. <laughs> there it is. All right, so it will move It's a you. long stat block. Yes, it is. Uh, it moves you 50 feet uh, if you, I guess, fail that save. Um, yeah. So, now, it's getting difficult to even get close to it, uh, yeah. which... It's it's gargantuan, uh, and we've discussed this before, that with something gargant- gargantuan, it's hard to put a mini on the table. It's no longer a mini at that point. Right. Uh, a a Meggie. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, usually you're just going to say, hey, it's this area. Um, so I don't know if you're just going to have them slash at the water. It doesn't seem right. Uh, but it's just a giant creature that's going to take up a very large area, but it's still going to push you back. You have to continue to make your way towards this thing, wasting movement, wasting spells, just trying to succeed that strength saving throw so that you can get close enough. Uh, or just, I mean, even a, a ranged, uh, weapon attack is, it has a limited range. Right. At a certain point, it's going to push you out of that very yeah. quickly. And I'm pretty sure you're at disadvantage if you're swimming correct for like a long bow and stuff yeah i mean um, a lot of water combat's really difficult to yeah. run um so especially maybe you are, in a situation yeah. where you're looking at it is a siege monster who can create tidal waves right the dm's gonna have to make that call is like is the boat still there no i mean no <laughs> <laughs> um this is yeah a well, 250 actually, foot tidal wave is like unrealistically huge in a lot of ways I think the only way to go into this, and at level 20, somebody's got to have it, is fly. Like, if you're yeah. trying to fight this thing while you're in the water, it's going to be awful. The tidal wave's still going to hit you. It's 250 feet tall. Uh, but at least that way, when you get out of it, you're safe for a little bit. But once it recharges that, it's sending another your way. Right. Yeah, there's no... It could have two of these... Go- if it's really lucky, it could do this every turn. Yeah. Ugh. <laughs> and, yeah, and they yeah. last five turns. Yeah, yeah. So every, at the start of, so it appears, and then 
that's what it does. So for its turn, it's that 250 foot long wall in front of it, whichever direction it wants. Anybody who's in that space makes the strength save a DC 24 strength saving throw, which is very, very high. Or it takes the 6010 bludgeoning. Then on each of their turns, at the, each of the Leviathan's turns, it moves 50 feet away. That's when it drags anybody who's in there with it. Anybody who's in it, who's being dragged with it, again, needs to make another DC 24 strength saving throw or take 5d10 bludgeoning damage. Um, and then at, after it moves, it lowers 50 feet. It also reduces the damage, the damage. by 1d10 yes. each round, which is just interesting. I like yeah. the mechanic a lot. Yeah. It's losing energy. Right. Um, so if you fail your saves and aren't really able to get out of this, you're going to be taken back. What, how many, what, 250 feet? Yeah. Yeah. From it? Yeah. Taking shit tons of damage along the way. If you can't swim, if you do not have a great swim speed, yeah. you're not yeah. flying. Yeah. Creature caught on the wall can move by swimming because of the force of the wave, though the creature must make a DC 24 athletics check to swim at all. And it, again, it, it's 50 feet thick. Right. I mean, it is not an easy thing to, you would need to swim through it. Right. Because if you just swim out of it, it's just going to hit you on the next turn anyways. Yeah. So you need, yeah, 50 feet to get through it. So, I mean, again, we're talking at high levels. This is not a low-level thing. You're going to have a lot of <laughs> lot of things. <laughs> Guys, my level three party couldn't handle Leviathan. What did I do wrong? Hmm. Um. Yeah, and, and then you were talking about uh, boats and stuff. Like, And all, boats have AC, yep. um, and they have hit points, damage th- thresholds, and all that's worked out, and this does damage and will do damage to the boats. So it's very, it, it's very clear clear cut if the boat would still be there yep based on this it's obviously going to just fail its strength save it's going to take the damage mm-hmm. I, I imagine and be pushed yeah for all yeah five and rounds. it's gonna take yeah 60 10 on the first one and then 5d 10 and 40 10 it's like i don't think the boat's gonna survive it probably not i think some of the higher level boats can just survive that uh, maybe there's also possibly. like i mean the setup for this as a dm uh you can get pretty creative and give a lot of things that uh make this fight i won't say easier but make it a little bit more possible because uh, if you don't have somebody who's not a magic user you don't have fly for whatever reason uh your rogues or your fighters or your barbarians whatever they are, are just going to be in the water uh they're not going to have the ability to move themselves out like if you have misty step great okay so you take the first one you fail your strength saving throw and then you misty step 30 feet forward so you don't get hit by it again good you're, right you're out of it um but until you know, it recharges and then- until it recharges and you have to use all of your first, second level spell slots on misty step um but you know if you are a dm going into this you can say hey you know here's a a magical boat the magical boat has a lot more hit points or maybe it has uh the ability if somebody's uh maneuvering it to uh make a strength saving throw that's what that's what i was thinking uh if you have an expert navigator if you could have your party participate in this kind of thing they uh, the crazy captain is just like oh well there's a giant wave better let it hit the side of the boat and just die (laughs) no there's a way to steer through the waves it's just not easy no no and again you, you might need to to throw some magic into it but it's high level. We're talking about a, a time where magic is encouraged. Uh, so this I, is the this is the water curse, though. Like everything about a water level in any kind of game situation, <laughs> down to Super Mario Brothers, it started before we were born. <laughs> but it can so quickly become just a very frustrating experience. Yeah, yeah. I mean, luckily D anD D offers you a lot more uh, versatility in how you deal with it. Um, I do really want to throw a crazy Captain Ahab type in this, though. The Captain Ahab steering huh, the, the boat and just <laughs> screaming his head off. <laughs> Is that all you got? No, if it comes back on a six, dude. <laughs> Make it a five and a six. <laughs> we can come back every turn. I know the sea. <laughs> Stop. It's not like a challenge rating 27. What are you doing? It doesn't speak any language. It's not understanding a single word of this. Your taunts are just going right over its head yeah this is this is obviously your perfect uh high level the sea is no longer your friend kind of situation right um it does get legendary actions which i absolutely love legendary actions does it need them probably not <laughs> it's, it's only move and slam you know yeah uh and this it can move for one action slam for two actions so it's, it's yeah it's not doing much it's yeah. moving and slamming in between its yeah. turns at most it has what 150 swim speed though yeah, which is nuts. Yeah, yeah. I, that's <clears throat> one of my issues is how do you get a battlefield big enough? To yeah, do you have this? to theater mind this. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's so hard to. to yeah, you know, you're you're not doing this on a map with minis and stuff, unless you do it where each square is like fifty feet. 
that actually is totally possible. But then um, it's, it's there's still a lot of theater of mind because you're not like taking your little mini and counting across the squares. And yeah, it's like, all right, I dash. It's like I, I'm putting you on the boat, though, kind of removes that. Uh, you can still obviously get out of the boat if you're flying or doing whatever else mm-hmm. and you face that exact same issue. Uh, but if you have the boat as the main thing that the party is on, um, and I don't know, I don't know how as a, a melee fighter, how you would go about. So you get fly casted. No, here's, <laughs> here's, here's my counterpoint. Let's pretend everyone isn't flying. Cause I think that is kind of cop out. The it's Leviathan essentially <laughs> is going to surround your boat. And that's your uh, melee opportunity. Your casters fly up, and then they get hit by a tidal wave, and now you got to bring the boat all the way back to the Leviathan. Yeah. So you're creating that kind of gap, there. right? Yeah, and that's not necessarily that's that's another problem. It might be a little bit boring there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it, it really could be. I think this has a a really big chance of becoming a boring fight, and just either your party is absolutely screwed and just kind of locked into one position. Um, well, probably mostly that. That's your most <laughs> your biggest hurdle to overcome. Uh, it's just how are you going to let them actually move around and and have some agency in this beyond just getting tossed around like they're getting hit by a tidal wave every two rounds. Yeah. Um, <laughs> also, any sort of water breathing stuff because you could dive under it. I get the impression it sort of appears on the surface. True. And actually, I think, uh, yeah, 50 feet long, 250 feet high. I hate to say it, but mechanically speaking, if you're 10 feet underneath the water, it doesn't hit you. Right. <laughs> yeah, I, I would. Which I'd make a call like ten, maybe twenty feet. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. fair. That's but it's fair. like I mean, I'm sure you've been in an ocean, right, with waves. I've never swam in the ocean. Bougie. Fuck. Have you really not? Or, no, literally oh, okay. never in. Okay. Water. So Are you yeah, serious? yeah. No, I, I think wow. I, I went to the shores of New Jersey in May, and I put my feet in the water once. You've never gotten pummeled by waves? No. It's really frustrating. I bet. It's, I think it's a lot of fun. But have you ever like quite essential experience? Have you ever gotten really just stuck where you got hit by wave after wave and you're like, yeah. I'm out of breath. <laughs> and you're like, I this this was fun for 30 seconds, but it's now 45 and I'm worried I'm going to die at the age of eight. <laughs> <laughs> I'm covered in like these horrible rubs, sand marks, and my entire nose is burning from the salt. That's kind of what I see with this fight. A very frustrating <laughs> fight against the ocean that you really can't win. Yeah. Well, it, it's thematic. <laughs> yeah. Yes, it, yeah. Very, um, very. But with diving underneath, so it's, you know, like with ocean waves, like you, you could experience that. And if you dive underneath a wave that's coming at you, it's just, you, you kind of feel pass over you, but it's ultimately fine. Obviously, these are much bigger. Yeah. Yeah. It's, we're not dealing with a 250 foot tall wave. Mm-hmm. But if you're, you know, a couple inches under their standard wave and you're fine, if you're 10 to 20 feet underwater, I could see, it's like, yeah, all right, the tidal wave passes over you. Okay. Yeah, that's a that's a fair way to do it then. Um, Especially because it's magical. It says this it they call it tidal wave, but it's essentially a moving wall of water. So it's not like it's having to suck up water from the ocean to add to its volume. Mm-hmm. No, that makes sense. Yeah. Um. With, one, oh, with, with that, that, go ahead. With Kevin. the uh, you deserve it. Thank you. <laughs> I don't know why, but thank you. With the uh, hit points of the ship, um, a ship would actually survive quite a few of these. A warship has five hundred HP. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's a sailing ship has three hundred. A long ship has 300. Then it starts going to get iffy. Uh, mm-hmm. Keelboat has 100. Yeah, I don't think this a is... A galley, five. I like to imagine this on just like a... a just rowboat? a random fishing boat. <laughs> yeah. No, there, there's a rowboat. That is okay. 50 health. <laughs> it takes the first hit, just explodes, and we're like, why didn't we buy a better boat? We have so much gold. Yeah. <laughs> so that, that's a fun picture. Like, like you're in the big coastal... You're like in Waterdeep, the you know, major coastal city. Uh-huh. The Leviathan is summoned offshore, and there's this like that mass all the turmoil out there it's like all right guys we prepare for this we train for this it's time to go take on the leviathan and the party piles in a rowboat (laughs) (laughs) sailor's life is life for me (laughs) what are you doing man um what i was going to bring up was the partial freeze uh it's one of its uh Things, if it takes 50 cold damage or more on a single turn, the Leviathan partially freezes. Until the end of its next turn, its speeds are reduced to 20 feet. It's not reduced by 20 feet. They're reduced to. So even its swim speed is only 20 feet instead of 120. And, more importantly, it makes attack rolls with disadvantage. So that's going to be something that if you figure that out, um, which, I mean... Maybe your party's smart and they figure it out. Maybe they do research beforehand because they're like, ah, oh, there's a crazy thing that's just causing tidal waves offshore. Uh, does anyone know how to stop water? And they're like, put some cold on it. I don't know. Or intelligence. I bet it's weak to acid. 
It's, it's immune to that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I guess I took the wrong yeah. class in Elder Elementals. I tried. Um, so, I mean, that that's something that uh, definitely helps out if you can do that much cold damage, which, I mean, might be possible with, like, a Ice Storm or... Um, Cone of cold, fifty still a lot. There's a I, I can't remember the spell. Like there's like a blizzard style spell yeah, that, that like, acts as its own storm. So you could have like a storm off. It's like who's going to win? My storm or your storm? Buddy? Right. <laughs> but you know it does stack as well. So if you have your uh, wizard using a or maybe not a wizard, somebody using a ray of frost. I know it's only a cantrip, but at that level, it's going to do a pretty good amount if it hits. Um, ray of frost is a dexterity saving throw. So it is it, I thought it's attack. No, no, no. Sorry. Um, you're right. It is an attack roll. So 17 yeah. AC. That's easy enough to hit yeah. at that level. You're not going to do 50 damage though. With you're that. not, but it's in a single turn, not a single attack. So if a couple of people are casting it, or if one person's casting turn it. Turn is one person's turn. No, wait. Uh, yeah, it's a single turn. So uh, it's with a, if a, basically if a character does it. <sighs> I'm not sure oh, yeah. about holding though. You might be able to do something creative of holding. Okay, I don't guess. But that would also be really good thematically. Everybody, like, we need to hit it at the same time. Everybody hold your, your yeah, frost hold spell, damage. whatever, yeah, and then just, boom, hit it all at once. I think that it's actually is... anime-esque. Yeah. yeah. Honestly, I, <laughs> I DM like I watch anime. <laughs> <laughs> Animes are a really good inspiration for uh, random stuff like fighting and just over-the-top fun like that. What are you doing? <laughs> Don't worry, man. Okay, I am worried. Got your phone out. Yeah. Uh, one thing to possibly end this super early, banishment. So I know it has legendary oh. resistance, mm-hmm. but it's only three a day. Yeah. And if you're like a level 20 party, I mean, you're, you could just, just keep burning spells. Is that just a charisma banishment, saving throw? Banishment, banishment. Or wisdom. It's charisma. Charisma, Which is interesting nine. why they gave that plus nine. Ah, there so you go. So it's okay. going to be tough. Yeah. And, that's, and it can choose that once it fails it. So yeah, you can try. Oh, can it? Yes, yeah. and that's yeah. the most frustrating part, and that's like the that's the reason oh, banishment fails a saving throw is not an encounter ender. So right. I mean, at level twenty, we are talking about enough banishments where it might be, but right. yeah. you're also taking the risk of getting your entire party obliterated while you waste your time failing to banish it. Right? Yeah, yeah. You're losing yeah. at least at least three full turns, and you're probably the wizard who can do the frost damage. Yep. yep. Right. You know, so I, I would always lean towards I'm going to try and do some weird ice storm. Yeah. Um, a completely another take on setting up this encounter. So we've been talking about it in the ocean. It doesn't need to be in the ocean. It just it says it's usually summoned in a body of water. Right. It actually has a walk speed. Yeah. Um, so it could be summoned like a lake. <laughs> well, a lake somewhere. would still be in water. Right. But, but you're saying that you're it not, can come on t- to the So sea. you're essentially yeah. fighting the lake. But it loses its tidal wave. Yeah. Or it's like it's a smaller body of water. Um, so it's there. So it's doing the tidal wave from there, and it, that's going across the land and devastating the countryside. Or, um, okay, even just like a deep river that goes through a town or something. Yeah. It's summoned into that. So then you, you're you still have this fight. You're still dealing with the tidal wave, and you know, what's really is what makes it hard. And you're, but you're getting around that whole thing about if you don't have fly, you're screwed. Like right. you know, all all the turns of just getting back to them, and that's fair swimming and stuff like that. Okay, yeah, that works. That works. I say it, it does specify it magically creates a wall of water. Yes. So it doesn't matter if there is enough water to, yeah. to do that, because that's a lot of water. Uh, a small lake is not going to be enough. No. I don't think it's ever going to be a small lake. That seems like a really <laughs> dumb place to summon. Is the, but I mean, if you're a cultist towards elder elementals, what you're if probably you, not the smartest guy. What if ever. you have cultists who uh, summon it in this small lake and expect it to like move through the river that it leads into the ocean? And they're like, yeah, we can't go into the middle of the ocean and summon it. That's, like, really tough. So we're going to do it in this small lake where we mm-hmm. totally have the means necessary. It comes up. It tidal waves out. Probably kills all of the cultists, which is good. It's great. I love dead cultists. Poor cultists. <laughs> <laughs> and then it Classic makes its way summoning. through the river, uh, just making tidal waves that ravage the countryside. Yeah. No, it absolutely can. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, rivers are really going to be the key thing of making it interesting because it's... He has the water form, so it could um, it can move through a space as narrow as one inch without squeezing. So yeah. even though it's this massive gargantuan thing, if you summon it in a river, it, it'll work. It'll be able to travel through the river. It does say from a large body of water. Like, it's called forth from a large body of water. I don't know if that's really necessary. I wouldn't, like, 
<laughs> sit there as a player and to my DM be like, whoa, whoa, whoa you can't summon a Leviathan here. This is a small body of water, not a large one. There's not enough water. Yeah, but... You know, I, I wouldn't do, like, a, a cup of water. <laughs> <laughs> Cult is just huddled around just, like, a, a small glass of water. Arise, Leviathan! Arise! And just... <laughs> I hope the glass is okay. <laughs> All right, so I actually did look into the... Doing that cold damage is going to be a bitch. Yeah. There's not a lot of cold spells. What did you look up one of the The only one that's probably going to do the job for you is Cone of Cold. Right? At a high cast at a high level. You have right? to upcast it. What what is Cone of Cold at a 88. regular casting? 88? Yeah. Okay. Which will do it if you're lucky. Yeah, if you're really per, lucky. But it's also yeah. a fifth level spell, so you know. That's so, that's it, your only real uh, It can be upcast. Not yes. saying it's always great, but and it's really only one turn that it gets uh disadvantage on attack rolls, which as we talked about already, aren't the key killer here no i'm less concerned about that um how many uh ray of frost is 1d8 at 17th level is it three or four d8 i don't remember how cantrip scale does that really matter it might yeah kind of again (laughs) if we're talking about everyone holding at the same time i mean is everyone a wizard (laughs) no but ray of frost isn't that hard to get uh, Everybody has to multi-class or take a feat to fight the Leviathan. I'm not saying it's that. 48. But, it's uh, okay, 48. So if we're talking about the uh, the ice storm one that doesn't take an action every single time, which I don't remember what that spell is, so it doesn't scale. It doesn't scale. You can't upcast the cold damage. That's fine because then your wizard casts Ray of Frost 48. Your Eldritch Knight casts Ray of Frost 48. Your whoever else has Ray of Frost 48. Again, I'm talking a high level. It's it's a one scenario where you can try and do it. Because if somebody misses, then right out the gate, you're probably not going to get to the 50. Right. It's not perfect. I'm saying there are opportunities, just not a lot. I agree. Yeah. Uh, I would I would honestly like that more expanded, but... What do you mean? It, more expanded? it seems like a very isolated way to try and slow this thing down. I don't know. Yeah. I no, think your best yeah. bet is just going to take it head on. Yeah. And yeah, probably not waste your banishments. Uh, unless you just want to get rid of those legendary resistances, in which case it's definitely going to use them on banishment. Right. So, though I don't know if it would know, to, uh, it doesn't matter. It, <laughs> it just, don't matter. It would probably just do the first three things if it's this intelligence level. Right. So, yeah. Cool. It'd be fun. Do you guys want to fight this in our, in no, our arena? No, not really. <laughs> no? <laughs> I kind of really don't want to fight okay. this at all. That's, not this. I, I definitely want to do one of the Eldar Elementals, I think the not this one. The Zaratan would probably be the most fun. Yeah, Dirt Turtle's pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a Pokemon. <laughs> yeah. No, it kind of does look like a like a legendary Pokemon. Yeah. <laughs> uh, or, right. or maybe the Phoenix when we get to that. Yeah. But at a... It's, Lower challenge rating. Oh, two phoenixes. There we go. That's a fight. <laughs> We're experts. We don't have time for CR sixteen anymore. <laughs> <laughs> uh, can't you find some other adventuring party to take care of that? <laughs> we have an elder tempest to deal with today. <laughs> All right. Anything else? Nope. Okay. Will? Anything else? Nothing for me, dog. Okay. Thanks for joining us then. Thanks for listening. Next week on Monsters and Multiclass. Join us next week as we look at the Druid Ranger Multiclass and the Amitui from Morakainen's Tomofo.